Hello everyone and welcome to our Lenten series, which is on Salvifici Dolores. It's an apostolic letter from John Paul II on the Christian meaning of human suffering. And this week we're looking at sections 1 to 8, and you don't have to buy a book or anything. You can go to vatican.va or just Google Salvifici Dolores, and you'll be able to find it and read along for free. Sections 1 to 8 are kind of an introduction to what is suffering and then some defining of suffering and looking at its root and connection to evil. And it sets the stage for the rest of the weeks that we'll be talking about. So we hope that you enjoy it and we hope that you'll join us for the rest of this London series. God bless you. This is a podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hey, you guys. How's it going? Hey. Hello. Good day to you all. I've learned not to say good morning or afternoon or night because... Well, you know what, though? So I was... (laughs) I do, like, clinical supervision for some of my um, music therapy students, and we do... We work at, like, an after-school... We went to an after-school program, and so we were at this after-school program. And then one of the the school custodial staff walked in, and uh, our kind of counterpart who works at the school, she she says to him, "Good morning." And he says, "Good morning." It was like it was like five thirty, four thirty p.m. Awesome. Um, and then and then they both were laughing, and I realized like, oh, this is like a thing. And then he was like, "Yes." Mm-hmm. He's like, "I'm here like all the time, so it doesn't matter morning, noon, night, whatever. It's always okay. good morning, like whatever you know." And he was like kind of sarcastic but kind of joking and I was just like I don't like that you know just say like good morning because good morning is like cheerful or something and yeah that's that's good morning all the time so it is yeah yeah Yeah. I I mean I guess it depends on how much of a morning person you are like if somebody says good morning you might be dramatic true (laughs) yeah that's fair Uh, I am a bit of a morning like I'm not I'm one of those strange morning people where it's like once I'm up I yeah. love the morning. It's like, I'm, it's the most productive time of my day. And yeah. once I get out of bed, I'm like almost immediately awake. It, I mm. don't have much of a lag time between out of bed and like mental alertness, mm. but the waking up is just, it's dramatic. Like, right. is it going to happen in the morning? Question mark. You know, right. It's like all kinds of yeah. the, zo- the snooze mm-hmm. button. How many times are we going to hit it? I'm not one of those right. people. I'm not a heroic moment person. I'm terrible at that. Even mm-hmm. if I decide with all my might the night before that the heroic moment, I'm going to wake up when the alarm mm-hmm. just, I, my body <laughs> overrides my yeah. intention and I just won't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I'm the opposite. I can have every intention to sleep in, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I will. I'm gonna tomorrow morning. I'm gonna sleep in, and like six twenty nine rolls around one minute before my alarm, and all of a sudden I'm just like, oh, I'm super awake, and then I look <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is awful, and then uh, I sleep in. That's amazing. I feel like I get the best of both worlds. Like on days where I where I well actually it's kind of the opposite of the best moment anyways on days when I have to wake up for something then I'm like up two hours before I need to be up and at like four in the morning and I'm wide awake because I'm like afraid of missing something and then after or on other days when I'm like I don't I have to be up or I have to um I get to like have a little bit of a a lane or whatever then I'm I get up and I'm still like I could have slept for eight more hours and it would be fine you know yeah I just like my bed also because it's an adjustable bed so it's awesome yeah Yeah, it has a zero gravity thing I think I mentioned that before I know I did because it's in one of our show notes Logan and Cove beds highly recommend (laughs) this is this if all of the places that we mentioned like actually sponsored us 
I we know. Money. We have I know, money. right? That's yeah, we could pay for your grad school stuff. That would be really nice. Yeah, I could that pay for. I don't know what I'd spend it on. Probably popcorn. <laughs> to eat while in your Logan and Cole, whatever adjustable bed. Uh, yeah, what is it Logan and Logan and Cove. Logan, Logan and, and Cove. Cove. Yes, yes. Anyway, come for us, Logan and Cove. You know? On the subject of suffering. Yeah. <laughs> well, so okay, so we're starting our Lenten series today on yes. Salvifici Dolores. Mm -hmm. um, so this is John Paul II's letter on suffering mm -hmm. from what year again? Um, I think I called it a, a post-apostolic exhortation, but it's actually not a post-apostolic exhortation. Oh, I, yeah, I think you did call it. Um, it's I think an apostolic it's a, letter. An apostolic, apostolic letter. letter, yes, exactly. Oh, 1984. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. 1984. All right. Cool. There we go. Um, um, which yeah. is funny because I, I realized I actually read part of this in my undergrad um, mm. for a course that I took on on suffering and wrote a paper. So I was reading it a little bit and I was like, oh, yeah, this, this thing. This. Yeah. I also just want to say that because I don't know, because it's got so this, it just the sound of Salvifici Dolores sounds like mm -hmm. pasta to me. Every time yeah. it's said, it sounds like the name of a pa of like a pasta dish. Is that mm -hmm. because like all Italian words sound like pasta to you, Rachel? Right, maybe. No. <laughs> That's a little like, you know, Italian ignorant of me, but like, and it's just, it just. Wait, but it's Latin. That's what. I know. That's the thing. It's like, oh, it's yeah. not, it's not but Italian. it does because it has the Italian kind I mean, of like. It does peachy. though. It it's does. Like, peachy. Yeah, it yeah, totally yeah. does. I, so I'm so sorry. This is absolutely like, it is not in any way a pasta. Mm -hmm. But it has the I mean, feel it's similar of similar because me. it could be heavy. It's heavy. Like the topic is Carby. heavy. Pasta can be heavy, mm. hearty. Yeah. You can chew on Carby. it. You know, That's probably yeah. the mm. closest to it. Pa a past I would, in my mind, I was like a pasta cast. <laughs> Pod podcast. <laughs> a pasta cast. Oh, we're on a pasta. Anyways, we're going down a road. I, I, I'm sorry to have taken us down, but I just felt <laughs> I needed to say right. that. It was just was like, good. Was good. yeah. <laughs> but it's not a yeah. pasta it's an apostolic letter and yeah. we're gonna talk about it we're gonna talk series. about it in yes. in parts there's there's mm -hmm. a lot of little it's like little tiny tiny chapters with little mm -hmm. ideas in each one i think yeah. we're gonna cover around well eight today because it's kind of intro and then we'll do i think three or four three or four chapters so if you're reading along with us mm -hmm. it's not it's not hard um and we were we were talking about this beforehand and we want we want these episodes to be appealing both to all of you kind of nerdy intellectual yes. theology mm. types who are like, give me the meat. I want to understand how all of these ideas work together and cohere and make, mm. you know, make sense and everything. Um, and those of us who are not so much like that, we're like, we don't care if it all makes sense, you know, on paper, tell me how it relates to real life. Right. Um, and so I think we're going to try to have a, a combination of, of, yeah, trying to talk about the document and, and explicate it and explain at least some of the basic kind of concepts, um, mm -hmm. but also just tell like, okay, how does this relate? What, how, you know, to our lives and stories, like stories of, of that to try to illustrate a little bit. So we'll, we'll do our best yeah. um, with that. And yeah, we hope you join us. I think, you know, it's worth when we're having, you know, a podcast about suffering and thinking mm -hmm. about thinking about all of these issues and telling, you know, listening to people's stories, telling people's stories. I think it is worthwhile going back to, yeah, some of these concepts of what, like, what does the church say about suffering? What is it? Why is it? And even though I think a lot of the, again, I, I'm, you know, for myself, I often find that the intellectual sort of explanations of, well, this is why suffering and this is, mm -hmm. you know, is, is unsatisfying when I'm actually going through mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. um, 
and yet it's somehow helpful too in some way I don't know mm-hmm. you know so here it is um here so, it is okay here it is here it is <laughs> what um, is here what are we? Uh, Rachel and oh, Eric. okay oh sorry I was like, what is here? Where are we? What oh, I'm, what's happening? No, no, what's we're not happening? going that existential today. Only <laughs> yeah. mildly existential. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So I think Rachel and Aaron are going to provide us with a little summary of these um, these first eight sections today. So Rachel, you want to start us off? Sure. Start breaking it down. Okay, so, um, so we're covering the introduction. Of, the part that I'm going to talk about is the introduction, which really the heart of the introduction is the question, like, why, why are we even addressing suffering? What's interesting is that this, so this was uh, written by John Paul II, and it was actually written, it says in the intro, uh, during the year of redemption, like that was the the year, which is kind of interesting. I mean, it makes sense because how did our redemption happen? Obviously through the cross. Um, which is a very, we were talking before the podcast aired, like it's actually really strange, in some ways a very strange thing. You know, it's like the way mm. in which God chose to save us was through this path of suffering. I mean, in other ways, it makes a lot of sense because every person suffers. I mean, that's just a reality of this fallen world. But it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting that God, I mean, God didn't work in a magic-y kind of way. He didn't just like magic away all suffering or something like that. He like came down into it and then redeemed us through it so that even suffering has this sort of dimension now of of very very deep meaning and and there's a there's a power in a certain sense that can be accessed only in some ways through through a kind of suffering you know um and so he there's a couple of scripture quotes that i think he he writes about in the introduction i think it's helpful for us to highlight just because I think they're central from when we, when we're reflecting on suffering in our own life. So the one, the first one is, you know, from Paul in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. So there's like, okay, there's this mysterious way in which the sufferings of my life tie into the cross intrinsically. Like it's Mm -hmm. part of Christ's suffering in some way, which of course is connected to my the fact that I'm part of the church. So that's going to be a big part of this document. Aaron's going to talk about it mm-hmm. about the next section. But, and then, um, then Paul says, he quotes, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. So, okay. There's like this element of joy, which is very strange, right? Like, how do we, what does this mean? Yeah. What does it mean for us to have joy? Yeah. Um, and then part, so part of that, and I'll, I'll maybe end with this is that John Paul II says in the intro, the suffering hints at man's nature as sort of something that's someone who's supposed to transcend himself. Man is not supposed to remain sort of in within the bubble of himself in his own world. There's a way in which he needs, he, 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 the very nature of his being calls him to go beyond himself in relationship with God and with others. And there's a particular way John Paul II says in that, that suffering points to this. It Mm -hmm. points to that call that we're, that we're created for to go beyond ourselves, you know, towards in love towards God and towards others. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting thing that I think he's he's going to unpack mm-hmm. for us. Um, does he ever? So yeah, go ahead. Good. Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> so I'm going to, um, the last part. So today we're doing, yeah, sections one to eight. Um, and so in section five to eight, John Paul II talks about, he just starts talking about like, what does actually, what does suffering actually mean? Like what is suffering um, and giving some definitions to it. Um, 
And he talks about things like physical suffering versus moral suffering. So physical is like the pain of the body and moral suffering is the pain of the soul. Um, and he talks about how moral suffering is much more difficult to remediate, the pain of the soul, mm. um, and how we suffer as a whole person. Like, even if your soul is suffering, like, it's not like we just have suffering in our thumb and that's the only place. Like, it somehow yeah. encapsulates and in, in, involves the whole person. Um, and he talks about, like, he points, all of the things that he has in Selfish Dolores are, are related back to scripture, like to the quotes that you talked about, Rachel, and then um, to the Old Testament and their view of suffering. So he'll he'll go into that in, in later places. Um, and then he does, he notes specifically that suffering, anyone who suffers um, is experiencing evil. So yeah. he, he makes it a big point for us to yeah. link suffering to sin, like that it is right. the result of sin. It's linked to evil. It's an experience of evil. And not um, not to one's own sin necessarily. Exactly. But just to the sort of global sin That's in right. the, the reality of yeah. sin. The reality yes. of, yeah. yeah. That every sin, every experience of suffering is in some way a contact with, with evil, with the reality mm -hmm. of the evil in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and then he goes in, um, he goes into looking at, um, there's a really good quote. I won't say it now because I, that one st totally we're stood out to Nicole, it. but there's a, we're <laughs> okay. saving that for later. Um, so he relates it to, to evil and then also to good. Uh, and then he looks at how, how that kind of affects us in relation to other people and talks a little bit about that. And that was the, the thing that, um, that really stuck out to me. So he talks about these two things like suffering in dispersion and then suffering in, um, in solidarity. And so I'll talk I'll share a little bit about that after. Yeah. So basically just kind of characterizing suffering and putting some definitions in it. Like, what are we actually talking about when right. we're talking about suffering? What does it mean? Where does it come from? How does it affect us? Yeah. yeah. And this is just the intro. <laughs> yeah, the intro. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I, I also, I want to kind of maybe um, read uh, one quote from section four that I think ties us into where Nicole's going to take us, which is like the conversation between what he's saying here and mm -hmm. our, every one of us and the reality mm -hmm. that we experience. This also kind of connects with our, our series on the cry of the heart, which is such a yeah. great treatment of suffering in sort of experience mm -hmm. from yeah. an experiential point. Um, but he says, so, um, it, uh, I'm going to read a couple sentences actually born of the mystery of redemption in the cross of Christ. The church has to try to meet man in a special way on the path of his suffering. And I, I mean, there's more that I'm going to read, but I'm just going to pause here for a second because it's kind of huge, this document. I, I, I never really considered how huge it is because what is one of the biggest obstacles to faith, right? The problem mm -hmm. of evil. Mm -hmm, and right. really this is what the Pope is trying to get at in this document is like, how is it that there is a good God? How is mm -hmm. that possible given mm -hmm. the evil we know and we see and we experience yeah. In each and every one of our lives. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is this is what the church has to answer for in some ways mm -hmm. in, in sort of the defense of God. Mm -hmm. The church has to stand up and say, this is yeah. what suffering. We have to talk about it. You know, and it's an important question and we yeah. have to ask it. We mm -hmm. cannot shy away from it because no. if we shy away from it, maybe that's an indication that we don't really like, you know, where if our mm -hmm. faith cannot answer to this question. Exactly. Um, then it's like not a trouble. I preach Christ it. and him crucified. Like yeah. that's, it's like central, you know, yeah. this is what we, this is what we preach. Yeah. But that's so yeah. yeah. So the church has to try yeah. to meet man in a special way on, on the path of mm -hmm. his suffering. So again, mm -hmm. he really wants to see us like it's all about each one of us. And yeah. he says in this meeting, man, 
in this meeting, man becomes the way for the church. And this way is one of the most important ones. So like, yeah, in, in this, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then he says, this is the origin also of the present reflection, this attempt to try to meet man here, precisely in the year of redemption, a meditation on suffering, human suffering. Mm-hmm. And he says three things, evokes compassion. It also evokes respect. And in its own way, it intimidates. And I think this is our fourth year doing the podcast. Like those three words are so characteristic, I think, of our experience mm-hmm. as we've reflected on our own sufferings in our lives and as we've sort of met others, right, on the path of their sufferings, who are guests who come on the podcast and share their sufferings. It literally evokes all those three things in a very profound way, like compassion. We understand the other person because of what's happening in us. There's a kind of, right, there's mm-hmm. a togetherness in this and respect there's a kind of holiness. We've talked about this so many times, like a sanctity to the mm-hmm. suffering of another that demands, commands in a way our respect. And it is intimidating. It's like, imitating. This is a big yeah. problem. Intimidating, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big yeah. problem. So, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. That's a good context. Yeah. Um, okay, the first the first concept I, I'd love to ask you guys more about in terms of your own experiences, Erin, you talked about this. So the physical and moral suffering. So um, let me just reread that that. <clears throat> little section here so this is an again in section five um so he says physical suffering is present when the body is hurting in some way whereas moral suffering is pain of the soul um and so i'm just curious have have you experienced a time where maybe there's a lot of physical suffering but the moral suffering isn't there in the same way and then maybe a time where there is physical suffering or maybe there isn't or there's less but the moral suffering is there um, just to help us kind of differentiate between those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can even share from the experience of like, so if people are just new to listening, I have fibromyalgia, which is a chronic pain condition. And to be honest, I find the pain aspect of it, like the physical pain aspect of it much more easily um, dealt with or much, much easier to kind of come to peace with than I do a lot of the other things, like the way it, it limits me cognitively the way that it inhibits relationships the way like oftentimes I can't remember people's names or some details about things and that's like that's like um like I hate that I hate that part about it you know so it's like some of those inner things in this like inner world that I find much more difficult um mm-hmm. kind of make peace with or to find the Lord in or to Um, like they're just, there's a greater suffering there in some ways because physical pain is tangible. It's like, I know it's coming from my thumb. I know that it's there. I know that it's, um, like, you know, so like I can put Mm -hmm. my finger on that, so to speak, I can put my finger on my thumb physically. So that's, I can actually do that. Um, but, but with the other stuff, it's, it's like, it can be very elusive because it touches on so many different parts of of me and mm-hmm. the you know my my beingness that it's like I can't nail it down you know yeah. and I can't there's no way of remediating it in the same way as there is a physical suffering where I can put a band-aid on right. I can take some aspirin I can you know whatever like even the ways mm-hmm. of remediating this kind of moral suffering would be things that would actually dim reality like drinking or mm, sleeping yeah. mm, or right. like stuff like that right, right? or right. distraction or or things right. like that that are that are actually not good for good right. for me yeah in a sense like in the physical realm there's there's a fix sometimes hopefully to a lot of our physical 
things. If you break mm-hmm. your arm, it can heal. You know, so there's there's not it's not the same moral kind of pain. It doesn't have to be in the same way. Whereas when we talk about this moral suffering, it's like there's there's bigger questions of like, well, why am I suffering? What's causing it? And is there a solution? Even if there was, what would it be? You know, um, it's just these sort of more vast, less concrete, um, both causes and solutions, I think, sometimes when there's the moral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a image that I have where it's like there's kind of and there's nothing because so, cause here's the other thing, right? The distinction is is helpful, but also there's so much um like Aaron said yeah there's like they well they're together there's like you suffer as a whole person so one usually affects the other but when I think about physical something sometimes think of like long distance running or sports in general right where it's like just mere physical suffering like the NFL you know the 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 Super Mm -hmm. Bowl that just happened is like these players know they're gonna wang like wham into somebody and it's gonna hurt but it's just physical in a certain sense it's at the service of this goal that they have and it's like they're not really worried about it they're like whatever like yeah and in fact the media Meaning is is positive in some it's way. Positive. It's like exciting mm-hmm. and it's um towards a certain goal that has all this potential. That's um, right. Versus if the same physical injuries had because you got beat up or something. Like yes. Mm-hmm. So the context um, matters for physical suffering. But then also when the context is evil in some way, right? And so it's a suffering that is is harmful and hurting us. It does like for Aaron, like the fibromyalgia does bring about this moral suffering and then vice versa. I think in an episode we did on loneliness before I was saying like, I, yeah, I've experienced loneliness at moments in my life where it was like physical, like Mm -hmm. it had like a physical dimension to it where it's like Mm -hmm. pains, it hurts, you know? Um, I remember being fearful one time before, like a medical procedure that I had to do that was kind of intense. Like I was kind of afraid for my life, but not psychologically. It was like, I could sort of feel the fear as a physical Mm -hmm. reaction. Yeah. And it was really interesting. And I was like, you know, my body was telling me more that I was afraid than my mind or my emotions Mm -hmm. were in that moment. So the connection between those two just helps us to realize like, yeah, we don't suffer in these parts. Really, we do suffer as and in, as a whole, as a yeah. whole, you know, really are we, Yeah, we can draw mm-hmm. these distinctions, but they're not totally, they're not. Oh, yeah. They're not discreet. Even on days, like if it's like a higher pain day or something like that, it automatically kind of goes into that moral realm of like those, but because they're just so, um, yeah. there's so much fluidity there because we are a whole or person, right? There's <laughs> yeah. always a moral aspect of suffering, even when it's physical yeah. suffering, even when it's, uh-huh. a, when it's a minor one. Um, yeah. Kind of a continuum, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. other thing, okay, oh, sorry. Another, another, oh, go for it. I was just going to say about the moral suffering that he says, you know, in a certain sense, it's more difficult to treat. So if it, the origin mm-hmm. is a moral suffering origin, in some ways, it's like more serious because it is sort of more difficult to get at. You know, it has mm-hmm. all these physical manifestations. So if you're, for example, like if you have depression or something like that, which obviously I'm not trying to conflate sort of spiritual, there spiritual dimensions to all these things, but also physical dimensions, right? To these conditions and experiences, mm-hmm. but just taking sort of depression, like typically you're advised to exercise and eat well, and these things are going to help you with your depression rates. So there's kind of a way in which there's a physical redounding that will mm-hmm. alleviate some of the moral, but it, you know, those things only go so far and that the moral dimension of those things, they're so like, you can't, yeah. Like Aaronson, you can't put your finger on it and that mm-hmm. makes it more desperate and challenging. Yeah. Right. There's also like, cause this kind of goes into the thing that you were, um, the thing that you said stuck out to you, Nicole was, 
um, where we're talking about evil, we're also yeah. talking about something that doesn't exist. So like yes. evil is a, is a privation of something. Yes. It's not yeah. a thing in itself. Right. So can and because, I, can I yeah. jump in there? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, so suffering indicates an experience of evil. And then he mm-hmm. says, so the reality of suffering, which indicate, which, you know, um, indicates an experience of evil prompts the question of the essence of evil what is evil mm-hmm. right and so Aaron like you're saying it's not, evil is not a thing in itself it is it's a lack here he describes it as yeah. um oh, where did it go here we go oh yeah a lack limitation or distortion of a good yeah yeah a lack limitation or distortion mm-hmm. of a good so it's hard to put our finger on something that isn't there. Like, yeah, we, I love because that. sometimes we're trying to name an evil and put our finger on it in the case mm-hmm. of moral suffering, but it's actually a distortion of something good. So then it can actually be more helpful to look at like, okay, what is there lacking or, you what know, but we don't think that I, what want? is the good thing that I want, yes. which we don't often mm-hmm. approach suffering as right. You know, yeah, like, that is so true. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I was in class on where I'm taking class right now on John Paul II's like philosophical work, like before he became Pope and a a classmate of mine did a presentation on conscience Mm -hmm. and, um, and on free and someone did something on free will. And he was, and somebody made this comment that like, when we sinned, we sort of, um, our, our, our lives became, came into contact with sort of, a uh, what's the right, a dim, a diminishing sort of reality, like where, where instead of becoming more of ourselves, we mm-hmm. sort of started to become less of ourselves. So it's sort mm-hmm. of like this contact, like Aaron was saying with mm-hmm. nothingness, where we're experiencing nothingness sort of kind of eating away mm-hmm. at our substance so that we're becoming yeah. less rather than more of us. And so I was just thinking about this in this intro and in, in Aaron section that she summarized it, there's this intimidation with evil because not because we're coming into contact with something scary because it's big and large and substantial, but because there's this experience where my substance is like, you feel like you're being destroyed. You feel like you're being eaten eaten away at. Yes, exactly. And you really do feel that you're like, Oh, this is. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's creepy. Like it's It's creepy. It is creepy. Don't like that. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's icky, icky. So here's, here's a a question um, because he goes on to say um, in the Christian view, the reality of suffering is explained through evil, which always in some way refers to a good. Um, What does that mean? Have you experienced something that can illustrate that? Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm, when I hear that, I maybe think like, okay, you experience some suffering. And if you can go so far to say, well, why, why am I suffering? Why am I, um, why is this difficult and realize that it's, it's because of a, um, I guess I'm trying to think about sort of my existential questions in life when I was trying to figure out where I feel called in terms of vocation. Mm -hmm. And there was just like this, a lot of anxiety with that. And, um, and I guess eventually realizing that all this anxiety is coming about because I desire a certain good, which is marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that good is not in my life and I'm afraid it never will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually helped eventually, you know, I wonder did, did that anxiety or did, did myself being able to, you know, the Lord helping me to confront that, help me to actually recognize the good that I desired in order that I could then move into towards openness to that. Um, right. You know, and that, but that's kind of a, I mean, 
vocation discernment is one thing, but there are yeah. much worse types of suffering. Um, and do all do all types of suffering? Can there be? I guess my question is, can there be an alleviation of suffering if it can help us identify what is the good thing that we're lacking? Or, but sometimes that probably doesn't help. I don't know. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. it makes it worse because you're like, oh right. my gosh, I really want this, and right. I, I don't have it. You know, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna get it. Yeah. yeah, but I think like the um, it's it makes me think. So like when I um, I did my master's thesis on this, but there, if you're talking about theology of the body and the ability of the body to to have like a sacramental nature to reveal things, right? Mm-hmm. There's this, um, what do they call it? Subcontrario, like through a lack of something, it reveals something. So it's mm-hmm. like through through the lack of, um, or through the presence of evil, which is a lack of, of something, then it does reveal, um, it does reveal this good, but also in some way it's like it's so interesting because it's so painful but then also at at the same way it's such a mercy it's such a mercy for us to have that because um because it reveals the the good that we're created for and the lack that we have and it it basically points out our situation as like it crystallizes our situation we are human beings who are living in a fallen world this is not all there is Mm -hmm. jesus has come and then it opens up that whole thing so like this experience of evil and this lack always points to the good of what christ has done because we know what christ has done right Mm -hmm. which in the end is a hopeful thing even Mm -hmm. if it's still this experience of like deep Mm -hmm. pain like it can't it opens up these like horizons of hope in a way possibility Yeah. yeah i mean Right. If I'm feeling, I guess, and the thing is, if I am feeling so strong, if I'm going through X, whatever this is, and it's so strongly difficult, um, and it can remind me that, that, that my experience of how difficult this is, is not, it, um, it indicates that there is something good. There is something good that I know is Mm -hmm. supposed to be there. Yeah, um, and it's becoming yeah. very obvious that this good thing is supposed to be there, but it's not. Yeah, but I guess in in Christ we can hope that this you know this pain is not always going to be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah. will have even if it's in heaven, it's not. Or you know, mm-hmm. it but, reminds me of like a, there's that C.S. Lewis quote that um, that where he said, "If I find in myself desires, um, yeah." Mm-hmm. that it, what is there's it a, if i find a, in myself yes, desires nothing in this world can satisfy. satisfy yeah that's right i can only conclude that i i was not made for here the only way i can remember that quote is when it's i sing brooke it fraser. in my head yeah, me, too. me too yeah that's brooke fraser song by yeah. brooke fraser but nice. but it's true like it's it's like that right like yeah. um we recognize like we we have hunger because there's food that satisfies we have thirst because there's water that satisfies that need mm-hmm. we experience this lack of of something because there is a fulfillment to that something which is like the beautiful thing about actually being in touch with our suffering is it opens us up to those questions of like why mm-hmm. like sometimes we're so afraid of those questions which i feel like is a huge thing of suffering like mm-hmm. to ignore it to run from it all of those kind of things is not um is like dehumanizing when actually the best thing that that we can do is let those questions of suffering come up and actually like enter into it because then that's where like God didn't give an answer to suffering but he gives himself like he mm-hmm, gives himself mm-hmm, to us mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and it's like we actually come in contact in some way then with the reality that's pointed to by the lack that we're experiencing yeah does that mm-hmm. make sense right yeah, yeah. 
it all sounds real good. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what does that look that like in an actual person? You know? And I, yeah. And maybe that's not something that we can answer. You know, I, I think, I think all of these conversations in the end, it, it, there is something that is beyond what we can nicely put in an intellectual box. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah. and yet there, it is still helpful to talk about. So I, I don't know. I wrestle with this all the time and it frustrates yeah. me. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think, I don't know. I think, I think that's good. I think this is. Yeah. I mean, maybe I can like, just as a kind of a final thing, like this was the thing always that sticks out to me is that when he talks about suffering and dispersion and suffering community and solidarity is like, it's kind of this experience of the lack and, and the, the foreshadowing of fulfillment Mm -hmm. because we, because each person is unique, beautiful thing. Everybody's unique. Everybody has this unique relationship with God, but then also because of this uniqueness, it almost becomes like a challenge in terms of suffering because our suffering and the way we experience it is totally unique. And this, for me, the reason why this hit so profoundly is because when I first was experiencing this, um, this more like intense suffering and trying to figure out what I was doing and all those kind of things, um, it was like, I felt so alone because Mm -hmm. it didn't matter who was there with me. It didn't matter, you know, the words that they offered or those kind of things. Like there's this place that becomes impenetrable Mm -hmm. in that reality of, of suffering and this loneliness that you're in because nobody can go into that completely unique experience that you're having. Right. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, because we're created to be in relationship with people, John Paul II talks about, um, this there's like this complementarity that we can experience like Angela Scola calls it um asymmetrical um complementarity which is like for men and women in the sexual aspect it's like we're created to be together but physically there's a complementarity that allows that union right, right. so then like between someone who's suffering and someone who responds to their suffering to to yeah. alleviate it in whatever way there's that same kind of complementarity, complementarity. yeah That's and beautiful. it's a foreshadowing yeah. of what we'll have in heaven when there's like a completion of that mm-hmm. you know a, ful- a real fulfillment of that but um, I, I saw a bumper um, sticker that maybe illustrates this today. <laughs> awesome. Um, Wait, is, do you yeah. want to save it for the God? Where are we doing God wings today? I was like, oh, we can oh, do you can save it for a God wing. Yes, okay, yes. Maybe, yes. You can okay. as a God wink. That'll be okay. our God wink. All right. I'm really like, so curious I don't know now. if it's going to ring the same way though. Let oh, me oh, just say it. Just say oh, okay. it. Um, but it was, so it's this notion of complementarity and the suffering person and the person who cares for them. So mm. The bumper sticker was, don't worry, my dyslexic kid will create a job for your honor roll kid. <laughs> oh man. Okay. That's right. right. Huh? That's Abby? so funny. Yeah. That's yeah. So like, but yeah, it's, it's like, um, there's complementarity. There's there complementarity. I didn't know how I felt about yeah. that bumper sticker, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, Saying something true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I wonder too, if, um, this is me being speculative, but if we think about the way that each you each person uniquely reflects something about the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. That no one else ever can or will do. Um, which means that the suffering that each person experiences, they might have the same life event happen that mm-hmm. they're going to suffer differently because they are a different person mm-hmm. reflecting the image and likeness of God, which maybe then means that the good that is is missing, you know, that the suffering reveal if the suffering reveals in a unique way the missing of a unique good then each person that's you know that's that suffering mm-hmm. reveals unique aspect of the good of god um yeah. in some way like Maybe in the response or in the communion that's that's yeah developed you know and on that i just want to say in this first section 
of the letter, he talks about the Bible as a book of suffering in yep. many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's really interesting, right? Like the way in which God speaks to us, is just, it's just filled with stories of suffering. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, and there's also the starting quote that we had that, you know, my sufferings complete in a way what is lacking in Christ's sufferings mm-hmm. on the cross. It seems that suffering has been given, like, it's sort of the Felix culpa of it all, right? Like we sinned and now suffering is part of this walk to heaven. Mm-hmm. And there's a way in which God is now saying to us, like, which is a, a contact with evil. Again, John Paul II takes that so seriously, but there's also a way in which the redemption reaches all the way down, you know, like the call to redemption yeah. is in some ways marked by the particular sufferings that we are going to live in our lives. So that in the cross that God has given given to me in my life, or my crosses that he will give to me in my life, there is a kind of invitation there that for redemption. Like there's an invitation in that cross for redemption. Yeah. And I and you know, like Jesus's remark, like take up your cross is very a very serious mm-hmm. uh you know, in a way, a command that he's given his disciples, like not one of them were without the cross. Not one saint is without the cross. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a hope like we, I mean, that's scary too. Like if you want to be holy, you're like, oh boy, the cross, oh man, yeah, you know, but then you're like, okay, but all of those people, all of those disciples, all of those saints are like me. Like they're not different from me. They're just human beings who want to be happy and Mm -hmm. are, not are afraid and weak and like don't like suffering right all of them so what there is something then to me that Mm. there's a mysterious grace that god wants to give us to show us that there's like a gift here somehow Mm -hmm. and it's not like pretty intellectual stuff it's like Mm -hmm. the meat and potatoes of our lives like the Mm -hmm. the real visceral presence of god yeah there has to be otherwise people Mm -hmm. would not be able to do that and take up their cross right it's not possible right Right. Mm -hmm. so I think there's a part of me that is like and I think John Paul II is wanting to get us there to be like listen there's a way I mean what was his big thing right be not Mm -hmm. afraid that was the the claim of his pontificate we've talked about that and if we remember the context again and we've said this many times and I know we need to wrap up here but this Mm -hmm. was Pope John Paul II he was a man who lost his parents he lost his family uh he went was persecuted war. he was shot twice he yeah. yeah was went through a war he had to be underground he like all all so many of the possible sufferings that you could imagine he went through the things yeah. that we're all afraid are going to happen to us yeah um, and yet he still has the the audacity to talk about yeah. meaning and suffering and That's right um so i yeah. it's i think it, so it has it, to it be lends, real it lends mm-hmm. some authority, yeah, to yes. say, okay, well, what, what is, what does this guy have to say? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, well, and then it becomes this thing, like the one of my favorite quotes from Savage Dolores is like, I can't, um, it, which is seems totally insane, um, but it says, for this reason, suffering also has a special value in the eyes of the church because it's redemptive. It is something good before which the church bows down in reverence with all the depth of her faith and redemption, hmm. which is like an audacious claim and that will come in we later weeks there. There we, go. we will get there yeah at least in reading right. this if at not, least in reading this yeah not yeah, in yeah, our yeah. lives over this series not quite yet. <laughs> yeah but hopefully you never, know. you never know um uh, okay so for next week we're gonna do sections nine to thirteen 
um, for everybody who's listening and is like, yes, let's yeah. go. And everybody who's like, this was terrible. Yeah. Just come back. Just, just come try back. Again. Try us out again. Go run right from your suffering. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as a reminder, you you don't have to buy this. You can just oh, yeah. Google Salvifici Dolores and yes. you'll find it for free on the Vatican.va website. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I can do a God. Are we doing God wings? I can do a God wing. Yeah, you can do a God wing. My God wink is that I have was having this sense over that over Lent I should I should kind of turn to Saint Joe. You know, I was I guess just getting the sense that he was like, like, hey, Rach. We haven't, we haven't hung in a while, you know, come let's, let's be together for a little time. So I pray the Holy cloak novena for many intentions, like a Mm. number of times before it is intense. Y'all the Joseph one. mm. Yeah. It's like a really long one. It's it's like 15 minutes. All every prayer that ever was literally right in one thing. Yes. It's so intense. Yeah. And I, if, I mean, you guys, you know, Nicole and Aaron know me. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, I just stink at anything that is arduous, like scheduled, schedules, yeah. novenas. <laughs> I frequently miss things. And the Holy Cloak Novena is like, if you miss a day, you have to pray it at the end. So if you miss like 12 days, you have to pray 12 times at the end on the last day, which if it's 15 minutes each time, you get the picture. Kind of book off a couple hours for that. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like thinking about this. And I was like, I, see I was like, I'm not going to do the Holy Cloak Novena. No way. I was like, because I'm also committed to praying a rosary a day. We'll see how that goes. God help me. But this is already a lot for Rachel. Okay. So I was like, I'm just going to do a nine day novena in anticipation of March 19th, which is St. Joseph's feast day. Okay. I was like, that's great. And I was just sensing I got it right. And then today I had a bunch of chats where I was like, ah, there was a lot going on. Lives people that I know, I think it has to be the Holy Cloak. Like, yeah. Okay. Ready. I'm ready. Take me Lord. Let's do this. So I just thought that was really funny because I was like feeling like it had to be mm. the Holy Cloak. And I was like, oh, no, let's do the nine days. Yeah, amazing. It was like, nope, yeah. the Holy Cloak. That's where we're going. Yeah. So everybody pray Lord. for me, you there know, because yeah, that's good. This, this is going to be a task. <laughs> so yeah, my God, awesome. St. Joe being like, nice. we're going to hang out a lot this Lent. At first I thought you said St. Job. Oh, you said St. Joe. No, no. Mm. Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. Although Job would be, you know. He's not a bad guy to talk to. At He's Lent, not a bad guy to talk to. Yeah, no. that's right. The righteous man. <laughs> righteous man of God. There you go. Oh. All righty. Thanks, ladies. Yeah. Thanks for listening, yeah, everybody. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. And yeah. We'll Happy Lent. Happy yeah. Lent. We hope your Lent is going great so far. We look forward to chatting with you next week. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Bye, y'all. God bless you. Bye. <laughs>